Hi everyone, this is Jordan, the owner and CEO of Greaser Consulting. In this episode, I spoke with Stephen Farnsworth, who is the segment leader, a segment leader at Work Auto. Uh, he and I spent some days cutting our teeth on an SDR floor together. He's moved into product management partnerships. He's like a mini CRO today for a whole segment of Work Auto. So just a, a really fascinating individual who was a fin like just a great SDR, but just really thoughtful and uh, very precise in everything that he did, which is not not really what the SDR world is known for. And that has served him well in so many leadership positions and different areas of organizations uh, that he's been a part of. In this episode, we kind of dive into the nuances and differences in people and, and how do you draw uh, you know, goodness out of them. Do we need everybody to just be, you know, for lack of a better team, better term, a machine here, just plug into the program and do that? Or should we sort of lean in to some of the the qualities that make somebody who they are? Uh, and how do we how do we pull that out of people? How do we maximize that effect? Um, and not just try to make everybody look exactly the same. So as you get into this uh, this episode, you're going to hear him tell some stories about how he was different from some people. It wasn't wrong. It was just different. Uh, and then when he started to manage how to ex uh, just accept the idea that his team isn't going to work just like he worked. And then how do we pull that out of people? Uh, anytime I talk with Mr. Farnsworth, I always leave that conversation with two or three good things to think about. So I look forward to you jumping into it. And with that, we'll transition over. Enjoy the podcast. Say you want some clarity in sales and marketing and SEP. Well, we have just the remedy. Our podcast, DevOps Therapy. Hi, everyone. This is Jordan. Thanks for tuning in today. Today, we have with us Stephen Farnsworth, uh, formally or sometimes uh, goes by Farnsey on the line. So, <laughs> Mr. Farnsey, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, it's uh, good to be here. Um, yeah, I, I Jordan actually hired me at Outreach as an SDR back in oof, 2017, early 2017, when I was making a career transition. But yeah, I spent four years at Outreach, um, some with Jordan, some without, uh, and then now of uh, you I'm call those the dark years, right? The, the ones dark years, the dark. Those are the ones with you. Those are the ones. The, the couple of years where you were you, where I was working with you, the dark years. And then, oh, those are the dark <laughs> years. I thought when you were done dealing with me, I see how nah, it goes. No, no, no. Yeah, no. We spent, um, but yeah, we spent a couple of years together um, as really early outreach employees. Um, and then, yeah, I spent another few years at Outreach um, in a lot of different roles, product marketing, um, partnerships, ended up building out the kind of consulting and technology ecosystem at Outreach. And then I'm now over at a company called Workado, a Bay Area enterprise automation company, um, where I lead an org that specifically focuses on Workado's use and application to like sales and marketing personas, which are the same people I worked with at Outreach. And so I've, I've been in this ecosystem forever. Yeah, so I I, uh, I always anytime anyone talks about Mr. Farnsworth, I always think about the the interview we had with you where uh, you know Sam Nelson referred you over. Sam was a guy I hired, and I remember getting into that interview. And this is probably 
Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm sure you're not allowed to ask this question and you'll probably get in trouble or whatever. But I just remember my first question for you was, tell me the truth here. Uh, Sam Nelson or Stephen Farnsworth, like, who's going to outperform the other, right? <laughs> Do you remember that question? Oh, I remember it. And that was, it was, I, I had every intention of crushing him every single month. And I think it, you know, it ended up being pretty equal at the end of the day, but I, I, I let you down and, and being able to definitively crush him every month. Yeah, I think you told me like, Oh, whatever Sam does, I'll double. Uh, <laughs> and like, right, right in that moment, whether you doubled or not, I was like, all right, like yeah. I'm on board with this guy. Like this is going to yeah, be yeah, a ton yeah. of fun. But one of the things I remember about you and like, this was obvious, like, like right away when we started to work with you is like, mm -hmm. this guy works differently. And so at that time in our life cycle at outreach, uh, like market was fairly green. Uh, I mean, we were still kind of turning and burning accounts. We were just like sort of blazing through things, trying to get pipeline and meetings. And I remember the way that you operated and navigated through accounts was just fundamentally different. Uh, mm -hmm. Like you'd make half the phone calls, you'd, you'd send out like less automated emails. Uh, and yet like with half the activity, sometimes a quarter, you would get the right person at the accounts mm -hmm. that nobody could get at the right place, right time. And the AEs would always talk about the quality of the meeting that you brought to the table. Yeah. And I just thought like, at the time I thought that's great, but like, how do we replicate a farms where like, how do we even hire 20 of these? And mm. so the, the reason why I bring this up is that sometimes when a rep works a certain way, when they get into management, like they carry that with them, but they have trouble scaling it. Mm. And now I know you're over there at work auto, you're a segment leader, which is like mini CRO of an entire division of work auto. Yeah. And you've been involved in the whole SDR stand up process. So like, Walk me through a little bit your philosophy of like, explain to folks why you're a little different because like, let's yeah. be honest, you are and like what you've seen as you've built out some of these teams. Yeah. So first of all, I appreciate um, <laughs> the context and the faith that you had in me in those early days to kind of let me, let me manage things the way that I, I felt was going to work. Um, and so I, 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 a lot of credit to you um, in that because it's, it's, there's a lot of managers and I think especially in sales development, which is, you know, by nature, um, more inexperienced employees, tighter leash, um, in many cases, like, you know, very high volume. So there's this expectation that, you know, there are certain, um, things that you need to drill into people every single day and hold that tight leash to make sure that they do it. Um, and I think the, the thing that you did well, and I think that it, it, it helped me as I've grown my career and, you know, I ultimately did manage, you know, some of the SDR team at Outreach and, and I took these practices forward is there needs to be a recognition that people do operate differently. <laughs> like that matters. And so um, you, you bring up Sam Nelson and most of these people listening, hopefully know Sam, he's the blue haired you know, guy on LinkedIn. He and I were roommates in college and we're you know, very close friends, but also extremely different. Um, and if you remember the way that Sam and I operated as SDRs, we had a very similar work ethic. He and I, I don't know if you remember this, but we showed up at the office every single day together at 6am. And like, mm -hmm. we, 
everyone else would go take a long lunch. We had this outreach, had this uh, like coffee shop that had these um, that we had a contract with where they had these really gross sandwiches that were like pre-made. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first three days you eat them, like this is awesome. By day four, oh, you're like, yeah. I could literally not eat another one of yeah, these. I, I'm done with it. That's exactly what I was like. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like we have a, you know, the standing contract at this, at this coffee shop. Let's go get it. So Sam and I would run down though at like 11, 12 o'clock every single day, grab a sandwich because it was like a five minute you know, turn around and then we'd run straight back up to our desk and eat our, eat our lunch while we're, while we're making calls. And so it was like, it was a straight up grind six to six. And Sam and I, um, were really committed at, at crushing it, blowing out of the water, you know, setting records. And it was something that was great to have that. But, um, the reason I, I, I go into detail there is that we had very similar day to day in terms of like the hours and the ethic and the, you know, that kind of grind that we were putting into it. But if you looked at some of the way that we like our workflows, um, like you looked at our workflows, like in outreach and on the phone and those things, they were extremely different. And like, again, this oh, is why it goes back be, to credit. Couldn't be more different. Be more and also different. Yeah. good luck convincing Sam Nelson that there was any other way to do it at the time. Yeah. He's a little different yeah, yeah. now. Like he, he has a different. different take today, but back in that day, like this is the one way, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, so in, in Sam's one way, just, you know, for, for again, to, to give some context is Sam is, will look at something that I'm doing or that any other SDR is doing. And he's convinced. And I think he, I, I, I think he's right <laughs> is that he can do it twice as fast as anybody else. And so for mm -hmm. him, it's okay. So if Steven can put 50 people into sequence in, you know, three hours or something like that, I can put a hundred. And similarly, if Steven can make 30 calls in an hour, I can make 60. And so what Sam got really, really good at doing is building extremely efficient workflows into his day to day. And so he like, didn't want to be interrupted. He put these big headphones on where he, you know, he couldn't hear anything else. And it was a signal to the world that leave me alone. I am sequencing right now. I'm in sequencing mode. And he had, you know, he did things very, very quickly. He didn't waste any clicks on his computer. He never agonized over things and, that didn't and necessarily good, matter. And good luck getting Sam to come to a team rally whenever he was in the middle of sequencing exactly right. mode. Dream exactly on. Exactly right. <laughs> yep. and, so, and, and the thing is that that was core to his workflow is like he was very much a, I am going to do things very quickly. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put up the volume game. Not that he wasn't good at the other things. Like Sam was an amazing, he was amazing on the phone. He was amazing at a lot of things, but he was a volume player. Whereas, you know, to your point, Jordan, and, and how different this, different this was, is I was, you know, significantly more careful about the people that I put into sequence and the research that I put into them. And before I made a call, like I knew these people. And so like to this day, you know, I get people, pinging me, you know, some of my reps or some of my team that pings me on LinkedIn and say, Hey, how do you know this guy? And it's like, Oh, I connected that with that guy, you know, six years ago as an SDR, but I like know who that is. He doesn't know me, <laughs> but, yeah, 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 like, yeah. but I still know, I like still know a lot of the people in pipeline that like I converted or, you know, I have, I, I'm sure there are a hundred people that if you went through my LinkedIn, that I was like that, I never got that guy out of meeting, but like, I know who he is. I know the situation of that account. I know it. And so the one thing that I, I want to call attention to the, though, is that as a manager who's managing people with different workflows is you need to, first of all, understand that people operate differently and, and there's going to be a different level of comfort with each of those people. But, um, like there's very different ways to then manage those people. Like, let's say if I can keep 200 people in sequence at any given point in time, like that's just, that's, 
if I've got 200 people in sequence, I'm overloaded on tasks and I can't keep, can't quite keep up with them because there's people, it's just, it's because I'm slower. (laughs) And Sam on a, on a different end can have 800 people, let's pretend in sequence. And he can, and he's struggling to keep up with those, but like he can, that's kind of his threshold is my, his 800 minus 200. He has four X the number of people that he can go after, which means that I need to be four times as good at converting the people that are in my pipeline than are than than Sam has to be with his pipeline. If 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 we look at everything you know else being equal, and so that right there was, you know, I if I'm going to be slow and methodical, I it better show up in the numbers. It better mean that when I get them on the phone, I convert at a higher level. It better mean that they respond at a higher rate on you know by email. Whereas so, Sam yeah. didn't have to do that as much. But he had so to keep I, going. I'm, I'm with you on this, and that's the like a a topic is I talk to SDR leaders or mm-hmm. really managers of any team is like there's sort of the rhythm or method that you put for the team at scale, but then you have to recognize like, uh, and I'm what I'm about to say like half the people listening here are going to be like I'm like I can't believe you just called the rest of us this thing. Don't mm-hmm. take it personally, but like by and large, the nature of a team is you have a bunch of pigeons. And then you have a couple eagles, like not everybody mm. on the team is an eagle. Right. And what I mean yeah, by the eagle right. is like for the pigeons, listen, you're fantastic. You have worth. You're doing a fantastic job. You need to run the program, though. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's mm-hmm. a couple eagles over here where like if I put you in the program, you're going to die. Like you're just yeah. like you got to get out there. You got to be on the hunt. You got to do your thing. But mm-hmm. then the question of fairness comes up. Right. Yeah, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, why does why does Farnsworth get to do that? And I have to go over and make seventy five dollars if I could do. Well, mm-hmm. the reality is like there's no way you're going to convert at that level if you only did 20 dials. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's the issue of fairness. There's the issue of when do you systematize and when do you allow the creativity and how do you structure mm-hmm. that? And so that's where, you know, a lot of my curiosity coming into this call with you is like you were one of those eagles that was a little mm-hmm. different. Right. Uh, but the reality is when you start getting into the hiring profile, you're going to recognize um, and I'm not I'm not trying to like over elevate or over put someone on a pedestal here. But when yeah, it comes yeah. to the world of SDR, you are fantastic. You're not going to hire 10 Farnsworth and then that's your that's your 10 SDRs. Right. You're going to have a different yeah. pool of folks. Uh, and some of them are going to be better at other things than you were. Some mm-hmm. of them are going to be worse. But the point is, it'll be different. So how do you come, you know, being somebody that's just so sort of focused on this like account efficiency, how do you Mm -hmm. build a team around that mentality where you allow folks to still be a little different, but still like, like you're naturally going to bring an efficiency mindset to what you're doing. Whereas to your Mm -hmm. point, like Sam Nelson, if he's building out a team, he's probably going to bring like a quality aspect. He was never just quantity, but Mm -hmm. he's going to play a little bit more in the quantitative, like the the quantity sphere. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. um, It's a good question. (laughs) I think that there's a lot of ways to answer this question, but the first that I would say is, is that anytime you have someone that wants to go outside the process, my, my short answer is make them prove it. <laughs> like if I wanted to go out and let's say do half the numbers, um, half the amount of activity that was expected, um, I need a track record to be able to show that that's going to like, that's going to have me hit quota or beat quota. Like at the end of the day, an SDR manager's job is to hit, like to have their team hit quota and to like put up a certain amount of opportunities. An SDR manager has whatever leeway they should have, at least whatever leeway they want to be able to get to that, that number. And so 
if I'm a director of SDRs and I've got managers and those managers aren't hitting quota and their team is doing all sorts of different things, that's a problem. Like I need my manager to be able to defend like why you're not hitting quota or what, what's going on. And so the easiest thing that you can control day one at any point in time is to say, here are some KPIs that I need everyone to hit. Like that's the, it's, it's the most defensible way <laughs> to, to defend your job, to defend when things are struggling is to say, I'm doing the things that are, that, that matter every single moment of the day. And I, you know, as a manager, my team is doing our, is doing that minimum level of activity and they're doing that. But I think as, as you start to see people, you know, either struggle, it's, it's not crazy and it shouldn't be off the table to say, okay, let me try to mix things up with this person. Let me watch this person. Let me shadow them and understand like what their workflow looks like and see if we can come up with a little bit more customized plan to help them get to quota. But on the flip side, if you've got someone that's crushing it, they're absolutely crushing it, giving them some leeway to say, look, you're doing great. I'm less concerned with KPIs right now. I'm more, I'm more concerned with the fact that like you're, you're crushing it. I'm excited by, by that. Like you, I'm going to loosen up my leash a lot on you. But the moment... <laughs> This, this, and this matters. The moment that you start underperforming and you're not doing the basics, like the things that I expect everyone else to do, leash goes right, right back to being super tight. And so like this, that, this, I, I, I think it's hard to do this at scale across tons and tons of SDRs. And which is why it's important to have SDR managers that don't have teams of 20. They've got teams of, you know, let's say six to 10 is because those SDR managers then have the leeway to spend time enough time with each individual to then build out what makes sense for each of those individuals. I had, um, when I, when I moved from an SDR to SDR manager at outreach, we, we did a really odd, um, now Jordan, I, I think you were just phasing into your new role, but I believe you were in the SDR manager. Uh, you were still in the SDR manager seat when this happened. So I'm interested to hear your perspective, but, um, Sam and I both um, ended up taking over two different SDR teams at the exact same time, like we both promoted. Um, and it was not a, okay, here's Steven's team of a random assortment of SDRs, and here's Sam's team of a random assortment of SDRs. It was, we, we tried something new, and I, I think a lot of companies are replicating this now, is Sam took over all new SDRs, brand new SDRs to help them understand kind of process and workflow. And I took over SDRs that were struggling. I took over there's I took over about 10 SDRs that were really they were either on performance improvement plans <laughs> or they were in a spot where they were you know had gotten off their ramp and they were nowhere near hitting quota and the ask to me was help them figure out what they need to do. And so the interesting thing about this role is that you know it it required me to really dive deep into each one of these SDRs workflows and understand what is and isn't working why are they struggling why are they you know it, it seems like the effort is here that was a non-negotiable at outreach so what you know what's going on and i had you know the the you know we had the vp of sales development and outreach steve ross is really a, an amazing leader because he just he gave me the leeway as a manager to be able to manage my team these people who had been struggling in the way that i thought was you know best fit and despite the fact that kpis were absolutely a non-negotiable um at at outreach you know he gave me a chance to work with my team to to figure out customized plans uh for them and, and we ended up being able to save like virtually every one of those people. And some of those SDRs on my team, you remember, I mean, Nav, Carrie, these, these ended up being the best SDRs at Outreach. And they just needed to figure out the workflows that made sense for them. And then they were the best SDRs that some of the best SDRs we ever had. Well, I remember Carrie, like Carrie specifically, and I, I think she's all right if we talk about this, oh, yeah. but I, oh, yeah. I, uh, 
uh, I remember like she came on and she just had all the talent, all the skill, all the ability. Mm-hmm. And man, we couldn't like, at first we couldn't get her across the line. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and then self-doubt creeps in. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, well, maybe I can't do this. And like the conversations I remember having with her is like, you don't understand how good you are. Like mm-hmm. we just have to, we just have to like unlock this thing. Um, and so I, I still remember the first month with her that like we finally got her across the line. Mm-hmm. And then like all of a sudden faith and hope and belief, like, like it started to creep in. And then like month yeah. two, like she's making it. And now, uh, like to your point, I think you, you took over working with her and took her to a new level. And then today she's an SDR manager right at Work Auto, like right yeah, where, I, where you're at today. Thing I like, did, I have, first thing I did when I joined Ricardo, I recognized that we needed a true, like a real SDR manager on my, in my org, called up Carrie and said, I need you come over, be a manager, <laughs> be our yeah. manager. And she's, she's overperformed in every metric and the company sees how good she is. It has had her take over other struggling teams at Ricardo now. I mean, she's, she's the best SDR manager around. So I know we're like, we're going way sideways on the original topic, but I, th- I yeah. think let's stay here a minute. Because mm-hmm. when you worked with those folks and you were talking about like you dug into their workflows, mm-hmm. like there's there's two sides of this coin. Like, yeah, there's the like workflow and actual skills that you have, but there's also the like mental aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Of like belief often is what can make or break somebody, right? Yeah. So as you worked with these people and you were sort of turning them around, so to speak, like, how did you also manage the mindset at the same time that you were adjusting the workflow? Yeah. Um, I think that they need to understand that like you're in the trenches with them. Um, and so for me, one of the things that I tried to do is, is not just be the manager who is, you know, constantly slacking them five times a day, which to be clear, I also did this <laughs> saying like, Hey, why are you at this many calls right now? Like you're not trending in a good direction. Like you need to be sequencing more. I tell yeah, me, yeah. You know, th- these are things that are required to, to get your team to keep, you know, to, to keep high levels of activity. Not everyone can do it without that, but it was very much a outside of just doing the, the minimums of what an SDR manager does. It was, you know, building a belief that, Hey, I can do this. I can help you. And I want to help you and I'm here for you. And so Part of that came in the form of shadowing and watching them and coaching. And like, I think I, I was, I was really shocked when I got promoted to me man, to manage how little time there was in the day to actually spend time coaching. There were so many mm-hmm. meetings and, you know, other things that I needed to be in at more of a company level, but it was like, wow, I'm, I'm spending very little time with my team. And so I made that a you know, a pretty big priority to spend like an hour or two a week, literally sitting over the shoulder of each one of my SDRs. And you could be annoyed at that and say, Oh, just like babysitting and just watch, you know, you're kind of stalking them. And it was no, like I'm sitting down, I'm silent. And I had a notepad and I would write down things that I saw in their workflow over the course of one or two hours. And then after that period finished, it was, Hey, here's some things that like, I I think are holding you up. You're not quite as efficient here, or you did things this way. Can you explain this to me and help me understand this? And like those things, I think helped them over time, um, to understand that like, okay, Steven build a belief that I know what they're doing and give them and, and show that I'm not just being a watchdog, but like I cared enough to spend time with them and, and prioritize them on the day to day that they, you know, that, that, and then 
if I can give useful tips that actually matter, like that makes a big difference. There's, there was a, I, I don't envy the SDR manager who comes in to a team um, from tr- frankly, from like outside of an organization and has to build belief that like they can do it successfully. Like I, I think I had the benefit of the doubt in saying, and Sam similarly, like, Hey, these guys were the best. They've been the best SDRs for the last year. Like they definitely know what they're doing. And so to the extent that I can spend time with people who were I in a role where I'd just been really successful, I think there was a lot of belief there and, and me showing that I supported them in that was, I think, really beneficial. So you mentioned something, though, and again, this is where like this is odd. OK, it's odd to be the best as an individual contributor and then also mm-hmm. be a good manager. And you're going to mm-hmm. say, well, what are, what are you talking about? Like, there's mm-hmm. a reason why top athletes tend to make poor coaches, right? Because they have this expectation of here's how you do it and mm-hmm. you need to do it exactly my way. Right. Hmm. Uh, right. And so then you get into management and you realize like, uh, I know hustle culture is like a, it's a, hmm. it's a problem now. Right. But like, like there are some folks that like, one of the reasons why they're good is is Sunday night. They're going to do all their account research Sunday night yeah. so that the rest of the week they can go. There's going to be some people that they don't need any account research. They're just naturally good on the phone. But yeah. their their org is like an email hubby org. And now like mm. we're going to push them down a process that isn't their skill set. So it's really rare for a manager to sort of put aside, here's how I did it and be willing mm. to like adjust to the players that you have. So mm. walk me through, you know, whether it's work auto outreach. I mean, I know you, you, you've actually done things in quite a few areas of life. Yeah. Like how do you transition out of that individual contributor and manager role and, and sort of be okay with that mindset that doesn't have to be how I did it? Hmm. I mean, I wish I had like a perfect answer here, but I think part of this might just be to some extent putting away your ego, <laughs> like just saying like, Hey, like, you know, they're recognizing that you aren't all powerful and the best for, you know, for in every possible situation, but that like recognizing and being self-aware that yes, I do actually have an ego about certain things because it, and, and those things worked really well for me. And I, I think that these are, you know, positives to the way that I do business or that I work and trying to keep those, but also recognizing that, all right, I also have some weaknesses that perhaps somebody else is really strong in. And to the extent that, you know, this job, this SDR job allows them to be, to use those other strengths, like then that matters. Like, and so so just as an example, this is a negative to my, to, to, to my life, <laughs> not just my work life, but it's just a, a negative quality is like, I care a lot about the way, uh, like what others think about me. Like, I do not like to be in a spot where I'm not liked. I like to be a well-liked person. So you wouldn't like um, it if I said uh, like, you know, quite frankly, I think you're the biggest pain in the rear I've ever worked oh, with. Like, kill, just, oh, oh, that would yeah. kill me. That would kill me. And it would like, I would want to solve that. I would want to fix that. And so apply that to sales for a moment. Like, being an SDR where it, virtually everyone hates you and you get negative responses <laughs> all the time. That's like, I don't have a good, like thick skin for sales. It's, it was a painful thing for me. And so I, I apply that then to like, well, why was I not a churn and burn SDR where I just did put a thousand people into sequence and, 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 well, part of it's because I care a lot about each one of these. Like I care a lot that these people don't just, you know, say unsubscribe, F you, like whatever, like those things were painful for me to hear. And so I spent a lot of time researching very specific people so that I could, when I got on the phone with them, they knew that I like 
literally that I like cared about them, that I knew them and that they would therefore convert from that. There are other SDRs, Sam being one of them, who could well, Sam doesn't care, care what less. anybody said. He doesn't care at all. What the, and it's one of the reasons he's great on socials. He just, you know, I, that it feels the way that he operates is completely different than me. I could never be this face on social because I'm for every 10,000 people who like his post, there's somebody who sends him a mean comment about something that would just kill me. That would just hurt me too bad. And Sam, it's like, doesn't, doesn't matter. And so Sam operates <laughs> the way he sold was very different. And so he, and there are other SDRs that were very similar that were just, they, they can have things roll off their back a lot easier. They can be faster. They don't care as much about looking dumb on a phone call. And so there are a lot of phone calls that I probably made where I spent way too long like prepping and trying to understand that person. And if I could have gotten rid of that, like that hesitation to call those people before I knew them, I probably could have been more successful because at the end of the day, I was actually pretty good at, at, at cold calling. I was like great at it. And guess what? I didn't make a lot of calls I could have made because I didn't, I like just was too slow and agonized too much over the reaction of the person. Whereas somebody like Sam or Carrie are better at just making the call about just going for it and they probably convert it in other places. But like, so it's, I think it's recognizing and this is a long way of answering your question, but like, I think it's recognizing that, gosh, there are some internal qualities of mine that are positive and negative and they're going to show up in different ways on the job and recognizing that when you coach to that, like you need to put aside your ego and, and try to bring out the best qualities in each person so that they can convert in the way that's going to make sense for them. Yeah, for like when you talk about just the nuances and differences of folks, I, I think earlier on in my life, I bought into this idea that like I need to be well-rounded and mm. I needed to be like, like if I was really good at cold calling, but terrible at writing emails, like I need to double down on learning how to write good emails so that like I could yeah. become a more complete human, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there's like a time and place for shoring up some gaps. I'm not trying to talk against that, but one of the things mm. I recognized is like, if you have natural gifts and natural abilities, uh, like lean into it, hmm. right? Like, like lean yeah. into the far end personification of what that is, because often that's, what's going to carry you. It's not just being mediocre at a lot of things. Right. Mm. So like I suck at it. Now I become mediocre. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like actually what you're really good at, just lean into it. And yeah. Uh, I, I listened to a guy, Oh, it was some like YouTube comedian once talk about how he mm. wanted to be, um, he wanted to be a news anchor, but he came from Minnesota and he had this really terrible accent and he spent five years in speech therapy and vocal, mm. whatever, trying to learn how to get rid of his accent. And he spent all this time and effort. And one day he just snapped because he was like, I can't do this. And so he started making videos that like, like we even went beyond what his accent was, but like, sort of like all the nuanced, ridiculous things of his culture and where he's from. He just yeah. leaned way into it and it resonated with people. And then that's how he took off. It wasn't shaving off those rough edges. It was actually saying, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And like, let me lean into it, which sort of goes against the grain of like, we need to become this perfect human. And it sort of shifts into this, like, I'm not perfect. There's actually mm -hmm. things I don't do well. And yeah, I might need to get some of that up to a certain level. Yeah, that's true. But like, like, let's not be afraid to lean into who we are, right? Nope. I know. I fully agree. And I think it's, it's you know, if you're to be a, a, a strong leader, 
It's about helping people figure out where they need to be. Like those weaknesses in some cases might really, really affect somebody's ability to get the job done, in which case they need to improve and fix those weaknesses. But to your point, there are other things where, gosh, that weakness in this role really doesn't matter that much. Like you just, if you can just focus on these other things that make you great and you can get even better at them, then that's what's going to set you apart. And so it's, it's on the leader to help bring that out in people. Well, and as a manager, there's some of this self-awareness too of, right, like you have to recognize where you're really good at leading and where you're not so good at leading. And, um, you know, one of the things I've always appreciated is having folks that are willing to help me, right? Of like, mm-hmm. like, look, like I'm really good at like inspiration. I'm really good at people getting people's mindset right. Um, I'm good at getting into some of it. But what I'm not good at is like the the minutia of some of the like let me look over your shoulder for 10 mm. hours and find that little mm. tweak like like farns can you come over and sit with this guy for yeah, a little yeah. bit because like that's just not like i'm not going to do that like not mm. that i can't do it but like like i'm going to die slowly and i'm probably not going to mm. find what i need to find right yeah yep yep no no and i think again it's recognizing that in yourself as well like it's, it's at the end of the day like the more self-aware you can be as an employee and as a leader and as you know in whatever position you are should a enable you to be able to make the changes and the, you know, the, the coaching fixes, whatever, to be able to get better at your job. And so for me, I've, I've changed, I've been in a lot of different jobs and a lot of different roles. Each one has required different things. And, you know, that's, that's, I think, important to be able to recognize what those require so that you can, you can change based on what's needed of you at the moment. Well, it's interesting how different personifications of who you are come out in different ways, depending Mm -hmm. on what's required. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a that's a topic for another day, and I know we're we're right at time. So I I did want to say uh, first off, just thanks for coming, thanks yeah. for uh, jumping in and having this conversation that I know we went a little sideways on. But mm-hmm. uh, hey, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you or or chat with you about something, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Uh, yeah, just I mean LinkedIn's probably the best way. Stephen Farnsworth, I, again, I work at Workado. Should be easy to search me and find me. If they can't find you, they're in trouble, right? That's a whole <laughs> yeah, you're other, not a very good other. SDR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, I uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for our listeners today for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Okay, thanks. Hot dog. That was a great episode. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about Greaser Consulting or any information you heard on today's episode, visit us online at www.greaserconsulting.com. Be sure to click the follow button and the bell icon to be notified on the latest here at RevOps Therapy. Thanks and see you real soon.